It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Fights That Made Me podcast, hosted by myself, Umar Ahmed. I'm joined by a very special guest today, former IBF middleweight world champion Darren Barker. Is that a good introduction? Yeah, but I don't think I'm a special guest. I don't feel special. I'm not a re- like I'm kind of part of the furniture, and I? I think am I special? Like world champion? Yeah, blagged it. <laughs> well, we're gonna go through that. We're gonna go through your. Highs and lows, been plenty in your career, Darren. And uh, yeah, picking out the key moments that made you as a person, as a fighter. So let's roll back to uh, 2004, your, your debut against Howard Clark. Talk to me about that. Yeah, look, I missed the Olympic cycle. I went uh, and I was gutted that I didn't go to the Olympics. So I went to the Commonwealth Games, European and the Worlds. Um, they jigged the weights around in the amateurs. So they got rid of like middles, which meant I had to move up from 69, which I couldn't make 69 anymore, which was welterweight, jumped straight up to middleweight. And uh, I went to European Championships, was the first qualifier. I uh, lost out in qualification, and then losing to Andy Lee, too big, uh, too rangy for me, I couldn't get near him. Um, and then I lost in my second attempt in Sweden. So I'm not waiting another four years, I want to turn pro, so I turn pro, with Tony Sims, I'd already been working with Tony beforehand, and you know, as as it always happens, you're fishing around for opponents, etc. And um, they get one, and it was Howard Clark, and I knew who Howard Clark was because he fought Fernando Vargas for the IBF uh, light middleweight title. Um, but by this point, fighting me, he was you know he was a journeyman. But I had to go back. My dad was shitting himself anyway because I was fighting. As a professional, no one in my family had fought as a pro. My dad was a very good amateur. I won the junior ABA and the senior ABA. But I was the first Barker to become a professional. So he was nervous. And it went from instantly from a sport to a business. And my dad, you know, always see it, though he was a big fan, as, you know, you're fighting people now who are providing for their family. This, this It gets serious now. If they beat you an upcoming fighter, they're back on track and they've got chances to earn more money, therefore provide provide better for their family. 
So I had to break the news to my dad that I was fighting a guy that had fought for the world title in my debut, um, be it a, a while back, and he he was he was nervous to say to say the least. Um, but moving forward to the fight, I was buzzing. Do you know, I, I was buzzing. I was giving it the the Barry McGuigan in the ring walk. I had a ludicrous move, bitch, get out of the way. <laughs> It just don't suit me at all, did it? Trying to give the evils, walking down to the ring, thinking, oh, you know, what have I got to, um, you know, how have I got to be, what have I got to be tough, I've got to be, you know, aggressive. And I was always a, always a big fan of Mike Tyson, but as you can tell, that's not really my character at all. But a good fight in which I learned a lot from. Um, I think the referee was Paul Thomas, who was an experienced A-star referee, so he was very strict on me, he taught me a lot of things that I can and couldn't get away with. Um, Howard Clark was a great introduction to the pro game. Not only could he fight, but he knew he had all the tricks. When to grab hold of me, when to spit his gum shield out, when to sort of hit me on the back of the head. How to you know upset my rhythm as a fighter, and um, I I learned a lot. And it was a six rounder. My my debut was six rounds. Where not many, by the Galauya fires and Lomachenko and people <laughs> like that that go beyond and do 10 rounds, eight, 10 rounds. You know, it was, I was nervous about the, the duration of the fight, but a fight in which um, I learned a lot. Okay, let's uh, fast forward to 2009, uh, a major point in your career, becoming British champ uh, in 2009 against yeah. Danny Butler at the Brentwood Centre. Mm -hmm. um, what did that mean to you, Darren? Talk about the fight, but what did it mean to you to become British champion? Big, it was my first, Certainly as a professional, I think my, I wanted to win the Commonwealth Games. I wanted to have been wanted wanted to be an Olympian, didn't manage to do that. But I think the, the first thing I set out to do as a professional was to be a British champion. I won the Com uh, sorry, the Southern Area title before that, but and and the Commonwealth title. But the the real one that I wanted was the British title. I was desperate to, to be British champion. I've like I've said this so many times, I'm I'm a big you know, big fan of the sport. I love it. And I'd have pictures of, you know, the Lonsdale belt on my wall. Um, it was always the the step on the ladder that I was desperate um, to to step on. And, and, you know, though I wanted to go beyond the the British title, it was something that I was desperate to win. And, and, and I lost my brother before I fought for the Commonwealth title. And um, I... I, you know, every title that I won, I wanted to dedicate to my brother. Um, and the British title was a, a, a goal and ambition that we both shared together. We both wanted to be British champion. He was a few years younger than me, but it, it, no doubt it would have gone on and he would have had dreams to, we well, did have dreams to be a British champion one day that he did turn professional. So it was, um, it was a little annoying because I always felt, and I only got the opportunity to do this when I won the world title, but I always felt to be a champion, you had to be a champion. And uh, I was fighting the champion, Wayne Elcock, and Wayne Elcock had to pull out for whatever reason. And uh, the title was vacant, so I fought Danny Butler for the vacant title. Danny Butler had not long notice at all, but kept himself fit and was very strong. But I was firing on all cylinders. Uh, I had the bit between my teeth, like I say, I wanted to dedicate it to my brother. And 
you know, it, I, I boxed well. I boxed well. I think he put uh, the fight was waved off after the sixth round or something like that. Um, but it was, I mean, a, like I can't articulate what that meant to me to be a British champion. Like that was, it was a special moment. That that Lonsdale belt round my waist uh, was a was a real real special moment. Right, moving on to 2011, uh, your first fight in America, I believe, uh, Sergio Martinez. Um, tough night in the office, Darren? Yeah. Yeah, it was funny that because <clears throat> there's a lot that went on before that fight. Um, I, I had won the European title twice, uh, which were two... two Big moments for me. I to, then I started having issues with my hip, um, and then I, through Twitter, basically made the Martinez. <laughs> but, but almost, you know, the 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 talk started through Twitter, and this is the early days. You got to remember of social media, and um, somebody said along the lines of, "Would you fight Martinez?" I said yes. Before I know it, his manager was at it into the conversation, okay, we can make the fight. Eddie is then made aware of the, the you know, the, the chat. And before I know it, me and Eddie are on a plane to New York for the press conference. Um, just very surreal. Even when I look back now, like, even though I'd won the British, the Commonwealth, the European title twice, this was sort of, whoa, you know, flipping it. I mean, the deep end here. Um, Flying out to America, you know, we're in first class. Obviously, flying with Eddie, me and Eddie, like you know, I certainly was like a competition winner. You know, put my pajamas on, I'm laying there, you know, get a bed on the plane. It was incredible. Um, and then we get to the press conference, and uh, when me and Eddie are walking to the press conference, he sees this mannequin in one of the shops um, wearing these ridiculous bright green trousers. And he went, oh, well, for a laugh, you should stick them trousers on, wear them at the press conference. I went, no chance, I ain't wearing them. We get to the rooftop where the press conference was. It was outdoor, and Martinez had them strides on. <laughs> <laughs> he had the trousers on. Uh, so we had a little chuckle at that. And I remember all the, you know, all the US press, you know, turning their nose up at me and laughing at me, like, who's this joker coming in? You know, he's just making up the numbers. Because you got to remember, he come off knockout of the year versus Paul Williams, and he destroyed Sergei Zinzaruk, I think dropping him numerous times for the title. And then I think he was struggling to get opponents. I jumped in, and yeah, bit of a laughing stock. But I believed in myself, but I didn't know how good I was. And he was the benchmark. I sparred with Froch, you know, Kessler, the Gal, Gross, some very good fighters, but I never shared the ring. Um, with an elite level fighter as far as uh, a fighter was concerned. But to be honest, I think that, that I, I, I was relatively calm going into the fight. I wasn't, the nerves weren't out of control because I had nothing to lose really. Um, but if I'm deadly honest, if I'm deadly honest, I look back at that fight and. <sighs> Probably I've got more regrets than I have, um, you know, positives because I feel I could have done better. 
I mean, the the, first, the sort of game plan was to frustrate Martinez, get the crowd on his back. Uh, pressure was on him. So sort of, I always I was a good I was good against Southpaws. I'd vary up my foot location on the outside, on the inside. I'd shoot shots up from the hip, through the middle, on the outside. I just that was through the years fighting at Repton and sparring with the fighters at Repton. I, I don't know what was in the water, but they bred some of the best southpaws at Repton. So I was very... Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Good. But it was the second half of the fight where I was supposed to turn the screw and get down to work. I didn't, and he did. And I thought I believed in myself a bit more. I think I could have, I'm not saying I would have beaten him, but I could have done better for sure. Um, but he perforated my ear in the 10th round. It was the maddest feeling in the 11th. I, my legs completely, to this day, it was like my bot, I'd been cut through the waist and someone had taken my legs away because I just couldn't feel them. They'd gone, uh, which was weird because I'd perforated my eardrums plenty of times, um, but none like this. And it was annoying because it doesn't look like a hurtful shot, but the damage had been done in the round before, I think, and just completely takes my legs away from me and yeah like I say I remember Lou Debella coming up to me in the ring after and saying your stock's risen um, in that defeat but I, I look back now and I'm fucking it pisses me off yeah I remember I think you got to the eight count the referee and you started to make your way up after he landed that, that final yeah. shot I think it was a right hook yeah and yeah you could just see you were doing your best to get up, but then I think you collapsed to the floor again, didn't you? Yeah, I was trying to get up, trying to pull myself up on the ropes. I think it was almost like a Rocky film because I couldn't, I could just couldn't gain any sort of power in my legs. It was a little bit worrying at the time, if I'm honest. But yeah, and then I think my legs went a little bit again. Um, but there are moments, though, I'm frustrated and I have some regrets that I didn't put my foot on the gas a little bit more. I'm still kind of proud of myself that, I, that you know that, that fight was still there. I still wanted to get up and still wanted to prove that I could be a champion. If not to myself, to to others watching, you know, thinking one day you could do it. Well, your next venture in the states again in Atlantic City uh, a couple of years after 2013. Uh, one of the most memorable nights um, in British boxing history. Um, you going over there fighting Daniel Gill and becoming IBF world champion. Before we come on to what it meant to you. Just talk to me about that fight. Well, I mean, mixed emotions, really. Um, I, I kind of felt that it was some somewhat of redemption going back to Atlantic City, same place, different venue, but same place where I'd first, uh, my first attempt at a world title failed. So it was, I kind of like, I was a bit up for it. I was a little nervous because I think will history repeat itself for me. But there was this... Uh, 
um, chance of right, right and a wrong, getting in there, winning the title in a place where I, I had fouled before. So I was looking forward to it. Again, uh, going back to the Martinez fight, I, it was the first time I had the great Michael Buffer uh, announce my name, and he, he announced me as Darren Baker. So I was, uh, <laughs> you know, that one moment you got Buffer, and he, he bakered me off. Um, so it was, a, it was a chance for him to, to get that right. Sorry, um, but it, it was it was crazy. It was a, it, I mean, the journey up until that point was mad. Um, and very painful. I was really struggling bad with my body at that point. I'm really pushing myself through the limits, really, if I'm honest, because I was so desperate to be a world champion. Um, and I, I, I kind of I fought out of character a little bit, if I'm honest, in the fight. Um, by the way, going back before that, I had 14 weeks notice for that fight. From the day that I the fight got announced to... The day of the fight, I was, well, the day before the fight, I was the most confident man in the world. Nobody was beating me. I would have taken on the world. Um, but the morning of the fight, I woke up with this failure on my mind. Just so much self-doubt. I Honestly, it was incredible, mate. I Like, I started telling myself that I'm not going to win this fight. You've been, you've been fucking living in a fantasy world if you think you can be a world champion, blah, 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 all this doubt. And I've been doing a lot of guided meditation with um, somebody and um, I've, he wasn't, he was in Atlantic City but he hadn't been with me for a couple of days so I started thinking, has he just been feeding me a load of bollocks to make me feel good about myself? Because the, the guided meditation was sort of like, you're, you know, you're a brilliant fighter, you're great, you're destined to do this, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, it's brilliant. And all of a sudden, I, I hadn't had him around me for a couple of days. And I was like, flipping heck, oh, I ain't going to win. Anyway, I got him up into the room and he, he sat me down and we'd we, we done a little bit of it. And he got me he got me back up again. He said, you know, it's only human that you're going to have these doubts. But back to the fight, it was quite quickly, I found Gil very difficult to, to catch. You've got to remember, he's a unified champion. He vacated the WBA, which I was gutted about because I would have been a unified champ. He had a good amateur pedigree, went to the Olympics, the Worlds, Commonwealth Games. He won it the same year I did, but a welterweight. Um, and I thought I would be able to close the distance um, relatively easy, but I, I was struggling and I was falling short with, uh, shot, uh, short with the shots and he was able to counter me. And it was quite frustrating, if I'm honest. So I got back after the first round. I said to Tony, look, I'm going to have to get on him, close the gap a little bit. So don't panic, but I'm just going to just edge a bit closer to him and close that gap and get tight on him because I'm sort of falling short with the shots. And he trusted me, Tony, and Tony, and that was it. And you could see from the off, it was quite um, a tough fight. You know, it ebbed and flowed. He had his moments. I had my moments. But I always felt that, like I said, it to be a champion, you've got to beat the champion. And I knew to beat Daniel Gill, not in his backyard, but um, on his home show, I had to rip that title away from him. And I know it was a close fight, I do. Um, but I, I was always trying to get the last say in the arguments. I always wanted to get the last shot in to you know, stay in the judge's mind. Um, and it was going relatively well um, up until the sixth round. Um, I can't really remember the exchanges, 
but I, I let a shot go and I know I was wide open. I was quite relaxed after initially throwing the shot um, and I was caught with a beautiful left to the solar, uh, not solar plexus, to the sort of floating rib area and I was completely, my breath had gone, gone. Um, dropped to the floor and what seemed like an eternity, if I'm honest, um, sat kicking my feet on the canvas, just trying to get my breath back totally unaware of what the count was, just in, you know, ridiculous pain. Um, but thoughts were flying through my mind. Um, those of my brother willing me up, uh, my daughter, what am I going to do? All the stories, the memories that I'd, and the hardship that I'd gone through uh, to get to that moment, just for me to be winded and not to get up would have been a travesty. So somehow I got to my feet, again, totally unaware of the, the count and yeah, the rest is history, really. Well, when the uh, scorecards were read and it was finally announced and the new, we've seen some um, amazing British wins, world title wins away from home, but I've not really seen a celebration like that <laughs> because it was utter joy in there, but there was obviously something else. You dropped to the canvas, you were clearly thinking about your, your brother who tragically, of course, passed away. Do you think, you said to me that, you know, nothing was going to beat you during that camp and during that sort of fight. Was it the the unfortunate events with your brother? Is that what builds you on in the end? Yeah, I think so. It gave me that extra percentage. I had to do it for him. I had to do it for him. I can honestly say my goals and ambitions were secondary. It was all about, I had to do it for my brother. I was desperate to do it for my brother. Um, so when he announced the scorecards, all of that, like, I, I, I don't want to go on about how difficult, you know, it was at the end for me. It was so hard. Only Tony knows and my family know. I'm, you know, I jacked it in about five, six times. I was really struggling. Um, you know, certainly mentally to a degree, but it was more physically. I was just, my body was battered and all I wanted to do was train as hard as I could and my body was stopping me from doing that. Um, so to hear and the new, it was just like mixed emotions. Again, it was relief that I managed to do it, but I think the overriding emotion was uh, pure emotion because I felt like I was it was me letting go of my brother or that task of of trying to succeed for my brother and I found that so sad that I was hang it was like I could hang I was hanging on to my brother and his memory through my boxing and to finally fulfill my dream um, and his dream it was hard because it was like I'd done it. It was almost like I was saying bye to my brother to a degree. And um, I found it very, very sad, um, which is ironic, really, because it's supposed to be the happiest moment of my life. As the, the dust settled, obviously, uh, when I got to see my family afterwards, my brother, Lee, who had been with me the whole camp, who I, you know, I loved dearly, and he... he um, I couldn't have done it without him being there with me uh, on camp 
because I'm a homely sort of person. So uh, just, yeah, like, it, it, when, when the dust settled, it was brilliant. Like, it was just a big celebration all around, you know, and, and I wish, <laughs> I wish I could have retired then. I, I do, and the reason I say that is because I hadn't earned enough money. I was a voluntary defence. I earned 150000 I don't know if it's pounds or dollars. I didn't have, you know, money. I'd have my house that I brought through the Martinez fight. But to secure my future, I needed, I needed another fight. And I guess that leads on, unless you've got any other questions about the guilt. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No, it does lead me on to Stuttgart in uh, 2013, your first title defence and your last fight. Um, Felix Sturm, yeah, it was... Uh, could, you, could you tell once you'd come out that ring and been stopped that that was the end? Yeah, well, look, I'll tell you now, I didn't want to fight again. I, did, I, I didn't want to fight again, but I had to. Financially, I had to. But a lot of people don't understand that I truly believed, right, that I truly believed going into that Sturm fight, I was too good for him and I, and I was fit enough. Though I did hurt my hip, this has happened numerous times, you know, five, six fights before, I truly believed I had enough beat Sturm and retire and never, ever, ever fight again. I did. But I um, I was wrong. You know, I, I, I didn't beat him. But it's funny because it's one of my proudest moments in a weird way because to go through another camp in the pain I was in, to get up when I was... Like, I, I tell you now that it's the worst pain I've ever been through in my life. So to get up and still be throwing shots... When the towel got thrown in, I, I, I'm, I'm proud of myself. Um, if I would have, if I would have won that fight, I never would have fought again. Either way, either way, I was, um, I was retiring after that fight for sure. No matter what sort of money was presented at you. No matter what, I'm not like I just wanted to be comfortable, which I'm lucky to be. I didn't want to be, um, I, you know, I'm not, I, I don't want this, don't want that. I'm not really materialistic. Do you know what I mean? 
Um, that's not what I'm about. I think, don't get me wrong, it would have been asked if someone would have said, here's five mil, blah, 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 but I don't think that would have been the case. And I just think it would have been, it would have been a good way to sign off. I mean, it, look, it wasn't ideal the way I signed off, but when I look back at my career, I don't look back at that moment. I look back at the Gill fight and I look back at all the other fights that we've mentioned and I've been with pride because I, like, I don't ever think that I was um, ever touted to go on and do the things I've done. I don't think I overachieved, if I'm honest. I think, you know, Tony will always say, one of, you know, I was, a, I was a very good fighter. I probably don't get the credit I deserve because I do mess about and I'm a bit of a joker. Um, but I don't think you win what I won in the amateurs and in the pros being average. Um, no. I'm happy, mate. Well, listen, Darren Barker, thanks very much for talking about uh, the moments that made you. Uh, just on this podcast, the way we end is that I have a wild card question for you. Oh, blimey. You. you did mark my card with this, but you ain't told me what the question is. So it's going to be anything. <laughs> so you can pick any fighter in, in boxing history that you'd have loved to share a ring with. Yeah, easy. Sugar Ray Robinson, the greatest fighter ever. And people, modern day fighters or... Fans as a sport may argue, say he wasn't the best, he lost, he this and that. But you got to remember, sport evolves. People punch harder, they run quicker, they jump higher. Sugar Ray Robinson was a pioneer. He was ahead of his time. And I think he would have boxed and competed at a very, very, very high level, winning numerous undisputed world titles in today's game. Um, footwork like I've never seen blistering hand speed, uh, you know, knockout power that he took through the weights, a tremendous fighter. And I'm forever grateful for Tony Sims to really introducing me to, in my opinion, the greatest ever fighter that boxed. How would have uh, Dazzling Darren Barker gotten with him? I would have got destroyed in about 30 seconds. But I could always said I thought Sugar Ray Robinson. That wraps up today's episode of the Fights That Made Me podcast. Please make sure to like, comment and subscribe and we'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.